0: Um To give a title to this talk today, let's say we call it vive um, mm-hmm. the joy of just living. Mm-hmm. Um, as a way into this, uh, do you mind if we close it, window? As way into this talk, um, the first lines of our um, meal sutra, you know, which are very important lines. I guess that's why they put Mm there first. So, as we open our eating bowls, may we and all existence be freed from self-cleaning. But we could extend that little, um, little uh, uh, saying, that little sutra, into so many aspects of our everyday life. I do the washing up. My all beings be free from self clinging. When I take out the garbage, my all beings be free from self clinging. When I make love, my all beings be free from self cleaning mm-hmm. When I bury my loved ones, my all beings be free of self clinging. And when I die, my all beings be free of self clinging. Goes right through to the heart of everything. In um, the way we teach Zen meditation, or at least the sort of three-tiered way I do it, encourage people to start off, new people to start off with breath counting so that they, in a sense, have got a structure and they actually fill their mind up with numbers as a way of learning how to train their mind to be focused. And uh, it helps people, I think, also um, not to experience too much existential dread because the mind is still filled with something, you know, rather than empty. But that's good in the beginning. And then, as people learn to develop more of a focus and can can develop that that um, sustained attention of mind and more stability, then it's moving into labeling, particularly in labeling um, thoughts and feelings. Um, and that's fine as a practice because it does help us to recognise the uh, self-clinging and the aversive aspects of the way our mind works. Um, But still it's not enough um, in terms of really understanding what practice is. And so the next layer down, so to speak, um, and really what is true Zen practice is Shikantata, which is just sitting. Mm -hmm. Just open attention to the experience of spaciousness and time passing you know, without any particular tricks that the mind gets up to like labelling or, or, or counting or anything like that and uh, they all have their place but uh, labelling is still in a sense um, somewhat at the psychological level and it's still looking at the thoughts and the feelings that arise out of the mind but kind of still looking at the the waves that arise out of the ocean, but we're not actually experiencing the ocean per se, just the ocean. Um, but nevertheless, it's interesting to look at them when they pop up. I had one this morning actually to share with you when the, the, the uh, workers are out there with the tiles, and uh, I had a proprietorial reaction, mm-hmm. what are they doing? And then the thought became more interesting and the trigger. You know, that's interesting that I get that kind of thought. Let's just observe it and see, see the uh, reactivity. Mm-hmm. And of course, practice is being aware of that, being, being willing to look at that sort of self-cleaning or the reactivity that comes out of that sort of self-cleaning all the time. <clears throat> when we move into a Shikantasa practice though, where you're just abiding in existence as it is. Um, it's got a very, quite a different feel about it. And um, the reason why it's important to do more structured training like the, the breath counting and the labeling before you get to that practice is that so many people who do shikantaza straight off, or even people who do it after years, they're, they're lost in space, so to speak, mm-hmm. and just sort of in this kind of vague, woolly, dreamy state. But it's very different to being found in space, you know, to actually be alert to the spaciousness mm-hmm. and just the, the sort of raw feeling of existence. And I think that sort of dreamy, drowsy kind of state, Um, it's not so much physically created through being tired or whatever, but just through, as a kind of a chronic state, is a way of really avoiding being with the spaciousness and the emptiness of of existence as it is. Um, When we go just into a shikantaza state, and we're just experiencing things as they are, just sitting, just breathing, etc. It's very important to be aware of what the nature of our conscious embodied experience is. And one of the things I kind of discern, I'm not really labelling, but one of the things I kind of discern when I'm with that experience is am I sitting with a feeling of fulfillment or am I feeling with um, a feeling of dissatisfaction, even if it's very subtle or it's just a trickle going through there. And and at some level there is always some level of dissatisfaction going on within us, otherwise we'd be completely liberated because there is levels of self-clinging going on. But it's very interesting just to... Not hover above it, that experience, but just to go, be it. Mm -hmm. Be there with it. Mm -hmm. Experience it. Take up residence in it, almost. Mm -hmm. These two things together are the essence of what practice really is, is that it's self-clinging which drives dissatisfaction. It's never being happy with the moment as it is, or the experience as it is. And this kind of of vague, edgy, flat, irritated, frustrated kind of feeling in the background there. Mm-hmm. So it's important to to recognise that that's if that if that's going on, it's going on, mm-hmm. and and abide in it. Don't hover above it, or try and get rid of it, or daydream. Just go, just go directly and in dive into it. Because if we're willing to, to dive into it, is where really where the, the transformative nature of sin really takes place. The rest is kind of preliminary stuff leading up to that. <clears throat> you know, with all the science they're doing around meditation and all the benefits of mindfulness and so on, I was reflecting on it the other day, that it really doesn't lead to people sitting more. In the same way that um, smokers might know that it's bad for their lungs, or people who are overweight may know that eating too much fat or whatever is not good for their heart. But like they kind of know it. But unless you've got the fire in your belly, you don't you don't shift the habit. You don't you don't give up anything. Mm-hmm. So it really is something that comes from within, rather than comes from information out. The outside in so much, and for a, a Zen practitioner or a Dharma practitioner generally, it, it's knowing really clearly right from the very beginning that the the disease is self-cleaning, and when there's dissatisfaction in life here, you can look at relationships, career, environment, etc., etc. But it's kind of like you've, you've really hit home at that place in yourself, but underlying it is that you're the cause of your own dissatisfaction. And, and it's through this self-clinging process that it keeps on perpetuating itself. It's like really, really getting it, really knowing it. Just like an alcoholic you know, gets that moment of insight or epiphany that they really are an alcoholic. And there's no denial. It's like really, really getting that And then being willing to see and observe and experience the dissatisfaction that comes out of that way of being. Until you just sit with it, sit with it, sit with it, sit with it. Until something shifts. So while labelling is looking kind of like the waves or the forms that arise in our mind, like waves of emotion and waves of thought, what's important to important to get past that into looking at the gaps between the thoughts and emotions um the empty spaces between the time lapses between um i've used this metaphor before which comes from tibetan buddhism you know that the the mind is kind of like a a bird which is it wants to land on something and then it goes through and flies through empty space and then it finds the next thing to land on and then the next thing to land on the next thing to land on, Mm -hmm. instead of recognising the space through which the bird flies. Mm -hmm. Speaking of birds, I'm going to be a bit birdist, making this analogy, but when our mind is kind of um, cluttered with so many thoughts, they remind me of minor birds. You know, they're kind of, they're always kind of in flocks, sort of harassing other birds and driving out of their habitat, like taking over. And our, our minds are kind of like that. They're like little minor birds that hop, like little hops here and there onto the next thing. Kind of... By contrast, you look at a sea eagle, you know, it's just sort of floating up there in space. Just for rage, is just winding around in the currents. You know, it's floating around, upheld by the spaciousness, right? silent, observant. You know. But there's a place for am sure. <laughs> what most people um, fear underneath their everyday existence and maybe it's why we only have five people doing a I kai a day rather than 105. Is that it's fine to do sitting for an hour or two and you get a kind of pleasant experience and you quieten your mind. But if you sit hour after hour, um, particularly when you're new, new to it, people somewhere along the line will experience what existentialists call existential dread. It's like, who, who am I? Like what, What's the point of living? What's the point of sitting here? You can't grab onto anything and hold onto it. You know, it's all kind of fleeting and slipping by. And it's groundless. Where's the ground? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's only when we we are willing to go into that existential dread or the dissatisfaction and really just be present within it, that's where the shift occurs. Mm -hmm. That's where the joie de vivre really arises, a kind of a, a causeless joy, not a not a joy because something good happened to you, but the pure joy of being alive, whatever it might be, whether it's grieving or laughing or whatever it might be, it's just simply the joy of being alive. It really really comes alive in us when we're comfortable in that sort of existential um, groundlessness. <clears throat> Speaking of existentialists, um, Jean-Paul Sartre said that um, when we look out from our own experience and we see other people, or we see trees and doors and chairs and so on, it all looks very solid and very real. But when we're in our own skin looking out, we experience this thing called conscious experience. And it seems kind of weak or feeble, not as solid as the things that we look at. And so then we tend to value... The, sol- the solidity of things, you know, and wish that we could be like it. Um, but we we overlook the fact that those things only exist because of our consciousness. Because that sort of um, ethereal kind of thing that we experience within us. Mm-hmm. But we don't value that. We, we, we tend to want to value the solidness of things um, without recognizing this kind of groundless. we call experience or consciousness. The other aspect of this experience, to state the obvious, is that we live in time. We have an experience of time passing, of momentariness, of impermanence. And when we're not really When we're self-clinging and we're really resisting life, in a sense we're resisting time because we don't think of time as us or as Dogen said, we don't think of being time, that we are time. We're kind of separate from it. And if we're separate from it, then all the experiences of boredom or running out of time or not enjoying being in time all arise. But when you become one with time, with that fleetingness and a kind of sense of forward movement into things. It's it's being time rather than feeling like you're in time. You know, um, in time is what shifts our experience of life as well, where the shriva-beva arises. Resistance to time. Um, We all experience time. We become very conscious of time when we just stop and, and just sit for long periods. You know, with anticipation of the timekeeper ringing the bell, mm-hmm. and it's going to happen. Um, and the degree that we settle into a into a one day of sitting or into a session is where um, time doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. It Doesn't really matter when the when the bell rings or when it doesn't ring, um, because it's just kind of seamless not separate too. So in the brief time that we have left today, um, just be aware of that kind of vague oceanic background of experience which is there, not just the waves on the surface that it comes out of and returns to. Um, If you notice that there's dissatisfaction there, just present within it, Um, abide there. Um, Stay with it long enough, that is the key to try to be. Thank you.